So during this season of Lent, as we have focused on self-reflection and repentance, we've also been exploring some of the spiritual traditions that are present for us in our Christian tradition, our Christian faith. Over the last few weeks, we've discussed holiness, the virtuous life that focuses on a transformation of the heart and the development of holy habits in our lives. We've discussed the charismatic life, a life immersed in, empowered by, and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And we talked last week about the contemplative life, a life of loving attention to God and the heartbeat of divine love. This week, we turn our attention to the social justice tradition. When we look at the spiritual streams we've discussed so far, this stream is kind of a natural next step in the progression. We've discussed seeking to be more like God in our personal actions, We've discussed the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we've discussed a life focused on God's love for us. And so now we turn to extending that love that God has for us out to other people. Now, even as I say this, I recognize that in some circles, social justice gets used as a bad word. We see people on social media referring to SJWs, social justice warriors, and using that as if that is or should be some kind of insult. But this does a disservice both to the concept of social justice as well as to our own tradition. You see, social justice is very much at the heart of the movement that Jesus was starting in the world, the movement that Jesus is still leading us in. Jesus, who summed up the law and the prophets by calling on us to love God and to love our neighbors. Jesus, who constantly centered and recentered outsiders and outcasts as the heroes in the stories that he told. Jesus, who told us to not only love the people who think and act and believe like we do, but also to love our enemies and those who persecute us. Those centered in the social justice stream live a life committed to compassion and justice for all people. It is a call to love the same people that God loves, to serve the same people that God serves. It is living according to the question, how would Jesus show love to this person? This is summarized well in today's text. The very first sentence says, from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Through our relationship with Jesus, a relationship built on prayer and study and the work of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see other people through new eyes. Instead of judging others according to human standards, instead of making value judgments about people based on our own criteria, we learn to see others as God sees them. We learn to recognize that each of us, every one of us, is formed in God's image. And so we learn to value others as much as God values them. A God that valued humanity and creation enough to come down and live among us. A God that valued us enough to offer us love and relationship even in the midst of our own sin and imperfection. A few lines later, Paul goes on to say, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. This is the heart of what we're talking about today. The very heart of God's divine love for us. And it's that very same love that we are called to extend out and share with the other people around us. 
Too often when we hear the word love, I think we think of romantic love or we may have some sort of generic concept of love. But the love of God is not a soft love, not an easy love. It is the love of compassion, the love of recognizing people's imperfections and loving them anyway. The love of caring about others regardless of their ability to offer us anything in return. This love can be found in the Jewish laws related to gleaning and jubilee. The command that people leave a portion of their crops in the fields to provide for those in need. The, the call to forgive other people's sins and free them from prison. It's not a question of how people wound up in poverty, how they wound up in their situation, whether or not they deserve to be in those places or not. The fact that people were hungry was enough of a reason for them to be fed. This love can be found at the center of Jesus' story in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus tells us exactly what it means to love other people as God has loved us. Jesus extends our notions of love beyond our family, beyond our local communities, out to all those people that we meet, even those who are against us or who might persecute us. This love can be found in the continuing stories of the disciples as we hear about the Greek-speaking community complaining to the leaders in the church in Jerusalem that their widows were being neglected in the work of the church in the community. And so seven Greek men were given positions of leadership and responsibility within the church to care for those others in the community that were being excluded. Rather than exclude anyone who had heard the word of God and felt that love and wanted to be a part of the community. Even though those people were outside of that Hebrew community that had grown up around Jesus, rather than exclude them, they sought to include them, to make them part of the leadership, to make them part of this growing movement in the church, and to empower them to do what they needed to do to make those inroads in their own communities, to minister in their own ways. Or to put it another way, as the author of the book, Richard Foster, that I've been using throughout this season, we look for those who are excluded or neglected because of their social status or their race or their background or their gender or their age or any number of other things. And we lobby for their acceptance and welcome and embrace in the social network. And then we also look to see if there are social networks that are destructive to human life. And we seek to change them or break them down. We feed the hungry. We help the helpless. We reach out to those in need. We reach out to those on the margins. Those who are considered outcasts. And we find a place in the spectrum of their needs to help them. Maybe we feed their immediate needs for food or water or shelter or clothing. Maybe we dig deeper to work towards changing the systems and policies that are in place that cause them to be in need in the first place. Or maybe our response falls somewhere in between. There's no single way of living a life of compassion, a life of justice in the world. I recently saw a post on Facebook that was playing with that idea of social justice warrior that I'd brought up before. This person took that notion of social justice warrior and decided to expand it to include some common types of Dungeons and Dragons classes. 
So they spoke of being a social justice barbarian, or a social justice cleric, or a social justice bard. It was done in kind of a fun way, but it was done to make it clear that there's, there are many ways of doing the necessary work of justice in the world around us. Not everyone is a warrior, nor should everyone be. But everyone can find a place to plug in and seek God's justice in the world. So as I rolled around the different ideas and ways of understanding social justice and compassion around in my head this week, and as I recalled the concerns that there was no movie referenced last week, I wanted to be sure I could find an example that would work well in many ways for us this week. So I first thought about the role of the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings. Then I thought about, oh, well, what about Princess Leia in the Star Wars films? And as good as examples as I felt like those could be, I still felt they were, they were just missing a little something. And then Black Panther came up in a conversation with my wife, and I remembered a reflection I had written last summer on exactly this intersection of justice in the gospel story and justice in this movie. And what makes it such a good example is not only that social justice is a very significant aspect of the story, the movie touches on some of the perils and misconceptions that are often related to social justice. You see, in the movie, for those that haven't seen it, the country of Wakanda had vastly, vast, highly advanced resources and medicines. But for centuries, they had kept these things to themselves, closing out all outsiders. As the movie begins, the, the old king has recently been killed during a terrorist bombing in another country, and his son is preparing to ascend to the throne, but he's still learning wisdom and is surrounded by different ideas of what it means to be king and what it means to support justice for his people. You see, on the one hand, there were the Dora Milaje, a group of women trained as warriors and protectors for the king and for Wakanda. Their loyalty is first and foremost to the country and by extension, therefore, to the king. So they hesitate to help others when they could because maybe those others aren't Wakandan. And helping them might cause trouble for the country. For them, justice was only for the in-group, for those who were already part of the country, and it wasn't meant to be extended to those who were outside of the community. At the other extreme, there was Njidaka, who was the cousin of the king, and he came forward to challenge the Black Panther for the throne. His idea of justice was to violently throw off those he sees as oppressors and to then subject them to the same oppression that they had caused to others. But here again, the vision of justice is only for a select group of people, and it wasn't meant for everyone. I also think that this is sometimes what people think of when they hear the phrase social justice. This idea that we're going to take the people who are currently on the bottom and we're going to raise them up and put them over everybody else so that they can subject the people on top to the horrors that they have had to live through. And yet the true justice that Jesus taught falls somewhere in the middle. In the movie, there's a third character who is close to the king Nakia, who presents a different vision for justice. For her, justice for others focuses on using the resources that the Wakandans have to heal diseases, to feed people, to improve their quality of life. 
It's not about power structures or protectionism. It's simply about helping people who are in need because they are in need and because they have the resources and ability to help them. In the end, with all that he learns along the way, the Black Panther King T'Challa realizes that Nakia's way is best. He appears at a meeting of the United Nations to offer the resources of Wakanda to the rest of the world, and in his speech, we hear exactly what it is that he learned. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of the vision threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one singer tribe. This is what it means to be compassionate. This is what the social justice models of Jesus looks like. It's about caring for the needs of the people simply because they have needs. About sharing the resources we have available to us with others simply because of God's love first for us and for all people. As we prepare to go forth into our week, I hope that you will remember that social justice is not a bad word. It's not an insult. It's about sharing God's compassion for the world, about taking in God's love for us and sharing it out with all the people that God loves. It's about seeing the world with God's eyes, loving the world with God's heart, serving the world as God's hands. Where contemplation is about turning our attention to the love of God, social justice is about extending that love out to others. Where the charismatic life is about the gifts of God's Spirit still at work in the world, social justice is one of the ways that we use those gifts to spread God's love. Where holiness is about being righteous in our personal lives, social justice is about being righteous in our social lives. Paul reminds us that we are ambassadors who represent Christ. And as Christ's representatives, we must be reconciled to God. Through this reconciliation with God and as Christ's representatives here on earth, we are called to love others just as God has loved us. For as the prophet Micah reminds us, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God?